What's Good Friends List, episode 101 of the Game Pass Gamecast, coming at you. It's the most wonderful time of the year, once again, as E3 makes its return, this time in digital fashion. So, with the big event unofficially kicking off next week with Summer Games Fest Kickoff Live, I think it's time to delve into just what we may be able to expect from Xbox's big showing. So, this week, we lay out our thoughts and predictions about what we could possibly see from Microsoft at Xbox and Bethesda's joint E3 showcase. Will 343 Industries turn the tide in Halo Infinite's favor in regards to the negative feedback it received from its initial gameplay reveal last year? Will Starfield control Bethesda's time slot, or will we see other projects emerge from their umbrella, such as Arkane's rumored Project Omen? We set the stage for Xbox's return to E3, and much, much more coming up on the newest jam-packed episode of the Game Pass Gamecast. <laughs> now the fun begins. Bridget. Welcome back to another episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversation around them damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So be sure to subscribe to us, rate us, review us, all that jazz, wherever you get a podcast at in. Follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast. Stay up to date with everything regarding the show, video games alike, and our dope giveaways. I'm your host, as always, Travis White, aka Travelis, on most internet platforms. Joining me, as always, my partner in crime, Mike Peepak. Mike, gonna keep it simple, man. What's good? What's going on? And what have you been playing recently? Yeah, absolutely. I have been actually. Adam got me to kind of got me into the Company of Heroes game and. I've been genuinely enjoying it a lot. I'm a big history fanatic. Uh, I love history. I mm -hmm. enjoy it a ton. And I've been enjoying that game thoroughly because it's an RTS, but it kind of takes a lot of the, it takes a lot of the game. It, it, it's very micro intensive. So it takes a lot of the macro out of it. So you're not making workers and, and gathering resources and things of that nature to build your army, which some people might not like. It's a lot more focused on tactics and battle, whether it be with armor, with tanks, uh, with infantry, um, everything of that nature. It's it's a lot. It's been a lot of fun, and I've just had a lot of fun, just kind of enjoying World War II from a campaign standpoint. Just kind of you know the, the you start off with the Soviets, um, but more than that, just like playing an RTS that is a lot less um, macro heavy brings different experiences into it. So you can focus more on your battles, which is definitely fun. It's it's something that I've just genuinely been enjoying as a new experience. No, definitely, definitely. Yeah, you're you've always been kind of the RTS guy that I know. Same with Adam too, but um you specifically have been the RTS guy. And we're gonna talk about RTSs um, a little bit later in the show with one specific one that I'm sure you're gearing up to talk about. But um but yeah, that's you know, that's a game that I know Adam told me to pick up as well. I have it now because it was free one weekend, so um like free to own forever. So I picked it mm -hmm. up. I have yet to play it, but it's on the list. It's on the list to eventually get to. Um what about your Halo tournament over the weekend? How'd that go? 
Oh yeah, uh, we had about we had twenty teams sign up for a draft tournament, and what what the uh, what that means is basically everyone signs up individually, and then there's captains selected to draft teams, and from there, um, yeah, we had twenty teams. We had a prize pool which included rant, uh, some of the players just donating money to the prize pool to try to grow the scene, which was really great for like a, a, a true grassroots tournament, which is basically run all through Discord. Um, we wound up having a, a total prize pool of like $2,400. So it was $20 a person for buying. And then we had a few different donors who donated two, four, um, two, it was mostly $200, but there was one guy who donated $400. And I mean, it's just stuff like that that keeps the passion and keeps the love of the game going. And that's the kind of stuff that I think, you know, can keep, halo you know moving because it is a game that you know it's kind of in my opinion struggling to find its footing here and there a little bit is just as far as like what the next move is with esports and i think Mm -hmm. having having people that are willing to put in the hard work and run tournaments on their own is is a pretty big deal um but it was it was genuinely successful i unfortunately um only had i i got fifth place so i didn't take home any prize money this time um but i mean it was just a great experience i think everyone involved had a lot of fun i think everyone was really excited it genuinely you know i i think it just genuinely was a positive experience for pretty much most everyone mm-hmm. and i'm just hoping going forward uh we have some bigger plans going forward i don't know how crazy it's really gonna get because mm-hmm. it is draining it is exhausting and we do have limited resources but I think we are currently kind of working on getting some uh, getting some sponsors potentially and things of that nature. So it could get a little out of hand for draft tournaments, to be honest. But, <laughs> uh, you know, that's where we're at. We're just trying to, to get it moving forward and, and see what happens. No, definitely, definitely. Well, yeah, that's always good. And obviously, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. If you see the title of the episode, um, you know, obviously, Halo is going to be a topic of that um, coming into it. But um, no, that's great, man. That's great. Yeah, it's always good to see that growth and see that there is at least a grassroots, you know, burgeoning love for this game still and, you know, that series. And hopefully that does transition over into, you know, Halo Infinite and where we go from there. But on my end, um, it's been kind of quiet on the video game specific uh, Xbox front. I did finish up uh, Wolfenstein, the new order. So eventually I'm going to go on to, I don't I haven't decided if I want to do old blood next, the like kind of 1.5 mm-hmm. or like side story uh, content a little bit, or if I want to just go into Wolfenstein two, um, I haven't really decided that yet, but really did enjoy it. Um, really had a good time with it. Um, and technically since this is on PC now, um, I can, I, well, I could say it anyways, but I started replaying Horizon Zero Dawn. I'm not playing it on PC, technically I'm playing it on a console, so, but it is available on PC, so you can play it. I almost did pick it up on PC and double dip on it, um, just to get high frame rates and whatnot, um, because there is no, uh, next-gen patch for it yet, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, um, I've heard the PC port of Horizon, Horizon Zero Dawn is a little iffy. So, and I'm also thinking of maybe going and getting all the trophies for it yet. But like I said, that's beside the point. That's a PS5 game, techni- or PlayStation game, but also you can play it on PC. So go and get it. It's a great game. Um, I've already played it before. This is a replay. So, um, you know, and I think I've talked about it on the show maybe like two years ago at this point. But, um, you know, really, really a great action RPG And if you're into that kind of game. But... Outside of that, that's about it on mine. Been watching a lot of movies and stuff still. But um, Mike, before we get into our big topic, let's hit the button mash for the week. Get everyone caught up on all the quick hit stuff 
that's been happening in the world of video games, specifically Xbox and PC, before we head into our big topic for this week. So, kicking it off with, the Galaxy will soon be much prettier courtesy of, of a substantial free update Hello Games is releasing for No Man's Sky. The new Prisms update will overhaul virtually every aspect of No Man's Sky's visuals, and the effect is spectacular. Highlights include new weather effects, a night, uh, a night sky shining with the light of thousands of stars, and a readable beetles, uh, worms, and uh, butterflies. Hello Games is also introducing new hyper warp or hyperdrive warp effects and more exotic caves. Here's a big one. CD Projekt Red has revealed that its quarter one 2021 net profit missed missed the uh, market expectations and fell 65 percent to 300 or 32.5 million. Uh, what's PLN like? Polish. That ha uh, yeah, that has to be. It's Polish, but what's it called? The Polish Zloty. Z-L-O-T-Y. Um, so Zloty. Okay, Polish Zloty. And the conversion rate is... They have a different rate of, like, how they count money, I think, there, because it's saying that... Mm -hmm. one's okay so it's like 27 cents to one's lottie yeah because so. i was gonna say they have where i pulled this from it they'd have the uh the um the exchange on it which would be around 8.84 million dollars in usd that is mm -hmm. so that's you know pretty drastic in terms of the exchange rate but also pretty drastic in terms of you know how deep they fell on their market expectations but that was in part due to the cost associated with fixing cyberpunk 2077 the news was shared during cd projects red or cd projects quarter one 2021 earnings presentation and it was explained that despite the lower than usual net profitability the company saw quote record-breaking positive cash flows cd project red's aggregate balance of cash bank deposits and treasury bonds increased by over 1 billion slotty which is 272.1 million usd to 1.9 billion slotty which is 517 million usd um 500 million Zloty, which is 136 million USD, of that has been, quote, earmarked for a dividend at at five Zloty per share that will be paid out on eight, uh, June 8th. As for why quarter one 2021 saw lower profits year on year, CD Projekt Red uh, CFO Peter Nebul Nebulski, or Nebulwisk, I, I don't know. I know I butchered it, but uh, explained that it was in large part due to the work on fixing the problems associated with Cyberpunk 2077. Quote, lower than usual net profits is mainly due to the continuing uh, depreciation of Cyberpunk 2077 development expenditures, working on updating the game and R&D activities related to future projects. These expenses are recognized as current period costs and are not subject to capitalization or capitalization uh, Nabalski, I think it's Nabluski or something like that, said in a statement. I'm so sorry I butchered the name, but I'm horrible with names, as you all know. Um, anyways, moving on. Chapter 2, Season 7 of Fortnite is right around the corner, and the game might be teasing this new season's theme with in-game alien abductions. These alien abductions are happening in-game seemingly at random, as reported by The Verge. Any game, er, any given player on the map might be targeted by a massive laser beam that comes down out of the sky in a mere matter of moments. They'll be transported across the map. It's unclear. What's that? Can stop. Is this this is real life? I'm not on an episode of Punked. What's that? Um, 
I just thought like I know Fortnite has always been wacky, yeah. but this is a game that has like a little bit of an esports following, and I just think it's hilarious that they're just gonna start tele people teleporting people around the map. Like that's just kind of yeah. It's, just imagine it's really funny. Imagine you're like in, in like top five situation or something like that. Like and you just you have and like, you're playing like ranked like. What? Yeah, and you have the have the high ground and a fucking yeah. alien just teleports you to low ground. I, I I'm not gonna lie, I'd be a little jammed up. I'd probably I'd probably quit after that game for a while. <laughs> um <laughs> But it's unclear why this is happening at all, but as anyone who plays Fortnite knows, it's not happening for no reason. With season seven of Fortnite beginning next week on June eighth, it's easy to see how these alien abductions might be connected. Perhaps season seven will be themed around aliens. Uh, up next, Far Cry 6 will not feature a map editor or accompanying arcade mode. Revealed as part of a Far Cry 6 AMA on the Far Cry subreddit, the developers explained the arcade, uh, the mode which contained the map editor in previous Far Cry games, will not be part of Far Cry 6. Quote, no, arcade will not come back, said Alexander uh, Latende, Latendre, game director on Far Cry 6. Quote, removing this mode for, uh, from our plan was a difficult decision, but allowed us to focus our efforts on the main campaign, transporting players into, a, into the heart of a modern-day guerrilla revolution. Tell me why, from Don't Not Entertainment, um, a game that I loved, that I played earlier this year and last year, uh, will be free through Pride Month, Don't Not announced today. From June 1st to June 30th, it will be possible to download this queer episodic adventure game to tell the platform, or to the platform of your choice, sorry, uh, where it will be available permanently. In a post on Tell Me Why's official site, Don't Not wrote that the decision is part of a desire to allow, quote, even more people to access the game. Don't Not also hopes to encourage players to spend money in places that will directly affect trans and queer communities. Quote, We've received heartfelt messages from players all around the world about how Tyler's homecoming as a trans man and Allison's struggle with trauma have impacted them, encouraged them, or made them feel less alone especially amid the ongoing global COVID-19 pandemic and pervasive transphobic rhetoric in places like the United States and the United Kingdom don't not wrote. Crytek has announced that remasters of Crisis 1, 2, and 3 will be bundled together as the Crisis Remastered Trilogy and as standalone purchases in fall 2021. Crycheck shared the details of this new and enhanced collection that is being optimized in partnership with Saber Interactive, revealing that it will be available on PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo, Switch, and PC. All three Crisis games will be uh, will play quote even smoother on PlayStation 5 and of course Xbox Series X slash S. Ghost Runner, the well-received cyborg ninja action game, is coming to PS5 and Xbox Series X on September 28th. Publisher 505 Games uh, announced on Wednesday, which is a game that I have in my to play list right now. I didn't buy it yet, but I really want to play it. Um, the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X version of Ghost Runner will come with improved graphics and performance alongside several new features. If you missed the news earlier, a Ghost Runner sequel is also in the works for PS5 and Xbox Series X and PC. And then finally, Mike, my, uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator's update 1.16.20 not only brings with it a ton of fixes, but it also cuts its base game size of 175 gigabytes in half to 83 gigabytes. It's still a lot of data, but 170 is a hell of a lot more. Um, the new update is available now, and the reduction, er, reduction in file size was made possible thanks to the team performing, quote, some optimization for the initial full download of Microsoft Flight Simulator. So, Mike, after running through all that, anything you want to run back before we head into our big topic for this week? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think... Whenever you look at CD Projekt Red, 
um, having such a bad first quarter. Uh, a lot can go into that, and I do know that they are – I think they're one of the companies that's actually being shorted pretty aggressively in the markets. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's obviously terrible to hear. I know, you know, that game, uh, their game, um, Cyberpunk 2077 got a lot of flack on the show and it's gotten a lot of flack everywhere. But mm-hmm. y- you, whenever it comes to things like this, there are human beings behind the scenes that are going to be affected by this if it continues to go in this, in this uh, trend. So I just hope that they're able to snap out of it and they're able to, you know, get some good things going for them and some good karma because at the end of the day, I don't like to see anybody lose their jobs. I mean, there's people that deserve to lose their jobs, but it's not like I get joy in that happening. Right. It's like, yeah, you should probably need, you need woken up and maybe you'll make better decisions down the road. Um, and also like, I, I think it's really cool that tell me why is going to be free throughout pride month. I think it's a very good thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very good way to show support for a community that doesn't get a lot of support. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm just thrilled that, there's going to be people there, uh, uh, people in this world that feel a little bit more welcome because of this. Because at the end of the day, I think everyone has, I think everybody, it's it's totally normal human nature to feel unwanted or or uh, unwelcome at times. And I just hope that this will you know help some people. And I know it might seem like a small gesture to some, but mm-hmm. even just a free game like that's that's a huge deal. They're giving up on some revenue and things of that nature to to make a statement. And I think. Whenever companies decide to put their money where their mouth is, it says a whole lot more about them than just a, oh, uh, here's a Twitter post about how Tell Me Why is a game that, you know, might might um, pander to your likeness and happy Pride Month. Like, this is just straight up making a decision to put the money where their mouth is, and that's what I like to see out of companies whenever they want to make a statement. Mm-hmm. No, definitely, and I totally agree. It's on both statements you made too about you know CD Projekt Red and obviously or CD Projekt in general I should say but specifically the Red team but also with Don't Nod you know and tell me why I agree with both but obviously you know when you look at CD Projekt and you know the struggles they're having with it I'll I'll give them credit where they're putting their money where their mouth is saying that obviously too yeah we spent all of this money already to make this game like we need to at least put it you know we can't abandon it we can't abandon ship. We have this much money invested into it. We need to turn it around and, you know, obviously get back in the saddle with it and, uh, you know, fix it up and, you know, find ways to make it playable for everyone to, you know, hopefully get the full vision of what this game was supposed to be. Um, you know, it's a game I was still positive on. I still enjoyed my time, but, you know, I reinstalled it. it it's funny. I reinstalled it when I updated my GPU and I just wanted to see how it run. It wasn't a big step up, but like I wanted to just see how it would run, um, you know, with ray tracing and whatnot. And when I did that, it actually ran worse when I reinstalled it. Um, So, (laughs) but I had uninstalled it literally probably after I beat the game and haven't really thought about it outside of, you know, our game of the year discussion we had at the end of last year. So it's one of those games that, there was so much promise for that we just saw it kind of, you know, fall into the trap that I didn't think a lot of people who are fans of CD Projekt Red games, um, you know, were expecting to see, you know, with The Witcher and whatnot. But people also need to remember that The Witcher launched, Witcher 3 launched in a pretty rough state and look at how beloved that game is. So, um, you know, it just, I think it was one of those, hey, overpromise, underdeliver type of things. And I think a lot of people would have benefited from this being bump back and being actually pushed until next year or whatnot. But, you know, credit to them for sticking with it and trying to make it the best possible experience for, you know, everyone out there. And hopefully it does get that, 
you know, second win here, maybe later this year, by the time, hopefully this game's in the state that a lot of people imagine it would be. So, and eventually, whenever they do eventually want to tackle that multiplayer situation, but, uh, and then talking about Donut, obviously, I totally agree that we're talking about, you know, a group of people who are continuously looked down upon and continuously belittled and looked at as if they're not welcome. Um, you know, I've made it very clear on the show too, you know, we'll always accept, we don't care, you know, what skin color you are, what's, you know, gender you, you know, um, believe you are or what gender, you know, you say you are or anything like that. You get what I'm saying. Um, you know, whatever you view yourself as, you always, we want you to feel welcomed in the show and always know that you'll have a home within this show. Um, we want this to be a welcoming community and whatnot. So anytime that we could have not only, you know, a game as good as this was and something I really enjoyed, um, you know, from a developer that I adore so much that, you know, anytime something like that's available is great, but more so the message behind the game and what goes on and the themes that are within the game, I think are so important that it is kind of those, okay, now you have no excuse to try it out. And, you know, I've even said so many times too, and it kind of goes to the last of us part two discussion that a lot of people have been having of, Oh, it's, it's, you know, social justice warrior bullshit and this and that. And they're forcing, you know, they're forcing all of these, you know, LGBTQ, uh, plus uh, storylines and themes in there. Mm-hmm. Like they're shoving it down, which I think is bullshit. But the older, the older I get, the more I look at it as even just at a base level, you know, one, those are, those may not be, those may not be stories that or themes that you see in your everyday life, but they're real world themes. You know, of course, obviously we're talking zombie apocalypse, but you get my point that there, these are real problems that you may not tackle, but somebody else may tackle. And to me, that's interesting. And obviously horrible that they're having these issues, but more so that I want to see these stories. I'm intrigued to see these stories. I'm ready to see stories like this. I'm ready to actually, you know, I want to, I'm not a, I'm not a, you know, an African-American or a black person. I'm not a, you know, I'm not somebody who is, you know, trans or queer or anything like that. Like I, I'm a straight white male. I will never know what it's like to be, you know, in the shoes of that person, but Mm -hmm. more content and more, you know, narratives and more, you know, experiences like this that can, you know, help give me perspective on that and help open my eyes to that. I'm always for, so, you know, I, I, like I said, this is fantastic. It's a fantastic game. I highly recommend playing it. You know, it was one of my favorite games. I I still put uh, Life is Strange a little bit above it, but um, just because that has a place a special place in my heart. But, um, you know, it's really, really you see so many technical aspects, even alone of the game that were improved over Life is Strange. So definitely jump on it. I definitely can't recommend it enough. Um, if you are, you know, into um you know, those kind of games like the Telltale games or, you know, previous Don't Nod games like Life is Strange, this is right up your alley. And it's a really compelling story. I really recommend everyone give it a try. It's free now, whether you're on PC, you know, console, whatever, go give it a try. So, Mike, let's enter. I, I, I do want to say that I feel like I feel like you were you were very well spoken there. And there's uh, it's very well put and there's not much more I could add to that. No, it was very well said, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, anyways. Mike, let's head into our big topic this week. Let's talk about some Xbox stuff. Let's talk about E3. 
E3 is right around the corner. News is a little slow this week. You know, I'll be honest. So I was thinking of bumping this till next week since technically, you know, next, what is it? The pretty much a week from now, we're recording on Thursday. So a week from now is really when the E3, you know, celebrations, if you want to call it, or, you know, E3 really starts. Um, but at the same time, too, it's Summer Games Fest that's kicking off on the 10th. That's not technically E3, but you get the point. Um, but Microsoft is coming back to E3, and more importantly, they're bringing Bethesda as well. So this is very much uncharted waters in terms of that. So we'll it'll be really interesting to see how both of these guys handle the stage together. And it's a 90-minute show, which is pretty impressive, but there's a lot to kind of go over, I think, with it. And, you know, not that I don't want to say expectations are through the roof, but I think this is the year that we finally start to not fully see, I don't want to say fully see, you know, banger after banger after banger come from Microsoft. I don't think we're at that point yet. I think that's maybe next year. Um, and even we kind of reported on it with what, uh, you know, Jeff Grubb from GamesBeat said that, you know, this year's going to be, okay, you're going to get a slice of the future. Next year's whenever you're really going to start to see things go in motion. And then 2023 and on are really going to be the years that you're in full swing. You're getting multiple first-party big titles a year. So while it, it may be, this may be one of those years that it may be that last real glimpse of the future coming. But at the same time, too, there's going to be a lot of things that I think are going to be really cool that show up at the show whether it be Halo, Starfield, whatever, you know, there's a lot to talk about. So I figured we'd do our E3 episode kind of predictions and setting the table for E3 uh, for this year, this week instead. Um, just because, like I said, kind of a slow news week, wasn't a ton of stuff to go on, but I thought this would at least be a good idea. So I pulled from an article over on Windows Central from Jez Corden, who we usually pull from a lot. Um, he kind of sets the stage really well and gives their thoughts. And I kind of want to bounce off of that because I think he does a really good job breaking down what a lot of people are thinking are either one going to be at the show for sure or know what is going to be at the show for sure. Um, some ideas of what we think we could see at the show. And then also to obviously some predictions and things like that and what, you know, we don't expect to see that could show up. So like I said, uh, as always, link in the description. Go over there, give Jez a click. Um, he does great work over on Windows Central. So let's set the stage a little bit. It's it's that time of year once again, and the E3 season is upon us. The disruption from the pandemic led to a sporadic cavalcade of digital showcases all throughout last summer, but things are hopefully looking hopefully looking a little bit more traditional this year. On June 13th, Microsoft will kick off its E3 2021 showcase in partnership with their new colleagues at Bethesda Softworks and their subsidiary studios. While revealing the new show, Microsoft debuted a graphic showing, Halo, showing off Halo Infinite, flanked by the planet shown off in the original Starfield teaser. So, there are two games you can expect to see at the show right off the bat, but what about the other stuff? So, I figured we'll start with Bethesda first, because that's the big fish here, um, at least in terms of the unexpected in terms of what we don't typically expect from Microsoft or to be there, even though Bethesda has shown up at a Microsoft press conference before for Fallout or Elder Scrolls or whatever, but you get the point. So let's kick it off with Bethesda over on uh, Windows Central. Jez says in 2020, Microsoft dropped a megaton on the video game industry by acquiring ZeniMax Media, all of its studios and all of its tech and IP. ZeniMax, ZeniMax includes Bethesda id Software, Arcane Studios, Machine Games, Tango Work Game, or Tango Gameworks, and more, alongside blockbuster IP like Fallout, The Elder Scrolls, Doom, and Dishonored. 
Microsoft is going to underscore their integration and partnership with Bethesda at their joint show on June 13th, solidifying those IP within the Xbox ecosystem. The headline event for Bethesda at this showcase will ultimately be Starfield. Very little was really known about Starfield, besides that Besides the fact that it's set in space, it's a single-player RPG, and its development is being led by the teams behind the modern Fallout games and Elder Scrolls. It's expected that you'll be able to explore space, potentially in spaceships constructed by yourself, although beyond that, the rest is just speculation. Some old screenshots of Starfield had leaked in the past, offering some potential tantalizing glimpse into its sci-fi world. The game is also expected to be announced as a Xbox and PC exclusive. So, we kind of already touched on this previously, but let's at least start the conversation there, Mike. What are you expecting to see from Starfield now that we know it's pretty much all but confirmed going to be at E3 this year? You know, should we expect gameplay? Should we anticipate a release window for this game? You know, what what are your thoughts on Starfield heading into E3 as this is all but confirmed going to be our first real glimpse at this game? Yeah, I would say since there's definitely going to be gameplay, I would say that like, they have a target date for when they think the game's going to be ready. So I would expect some type of information on that. I would also expect to see some gameplay on it because it's one of those things where, yeah, um, cinematic, uh, like what's the, what's the term I'm looking for? Whenever, uh, you know, like whenever, um, the first, uh, Oh, good grief. Um, the Tom Clancy game, not before it was, uh, what it turned out to be um they do those cinematic uh they're like theatrical uh kind of like release announcements where it's like not even gameplay it's like kind of like what csgo did too oh, where yeah. it's like where it's like a, 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 a rendering yeah a cgi rendering like i wouldn't expect that or i would hope not to see that i would hope to see some gameplay mm -hmm. and if you're gonna see gameplay that means that they have the engine partially built or they know what they're doing with it mm -hmm. and therefore you would be like, I would be, you know, expecting to see some type of uh, gameplay and some type of release window, because if they already have the gameplay built, if they already have all that stuff taken care of they They have an idea of when this game is going to come out. And I would be expecting to hear definitely not a date. I mean, if they have a date picked out that means you know they're they're a lot closer than we think to being done. Mm -hmm. I would expect to see like a fall of. I would expect to see a spring of 2022 probably at the earliest. I don't think fall this year, but I mean, if they do release it fall this year, I'd be thrilled because it's something I'd be, I, I would love, but it's definitely not going to be that point that I would expect it to be at least spring of next year, if not fall of next year, I would say. Mm -hmm. No, definitely. And, and that's where I'm kind of with you on that, that I, I fully see this game. Like I fully expect us one to see gameplay. I feel this will be more in line with, um, you know, I, I, I think we'll see this more and I, I have another question coming up about this in a sense, but mm -hmm. I think we will see this more so in, and we need to more so see this in the light of how fallout four was revealed where they, it, 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 it commanded, you know, Hey, we're going to take 20 minutes. We're going to take, you know, and granted, I think it'll be a little bit longer than that, but we're going to take a nice chunky time from this conference and show you this game and sit down and we're going to go through this game. We're going to show you the minutia of this game, or at least set the stage for why this game has been in development for so long and why you should expect to, you know, really, you know, be excited about this game, be excited about the hype that's surrounding this game. Um, Cause I think it needs it. It's a brand new IP. It's from 
you know, Bethesda Game Studios, which is, you know, Bethesda proper or whatever you want to call them, that we're talking about a game that coming off of Fallout 76, which was, you know, critically panned when it was released and, you know, has slightly, you know, has improved, I would like to say, um, over time with, you know, a lot of changes coming for free, you know, not the cost of fans. Um, but, you know, it, it, it has seen improvements, but, you know, there's still a very sour taste in there. And we're talking about, you know, also coming off Fallout 4, which was, you know, while the majority of people did enjoy it, it was much more, a little more controversial in terms of, you know, the conversation around it from long-term fans and whatnot. Um, so there's a lot going into this game that I think it kind of demands you to come at it and say, you know, hey, we're, um, you know, this is, here's this game that we have coming out, Starfield. We told you about it before, but now we're really going to show you. It's time. We've been sitting on it. We're ready to show you. We're ready to talk about it. But at the same time, too, I don't see this necessarily I'm torn. It all depends on what really... I I still stand by what I said. I don't see this coming out necessarily this fall. I think that's... Mm -hmm. I, I think a lot of people who are thinking that are maybe, you know, not really taking into consideration the importance of Microsoft and Halo um, and that coming out, especially after getting bumped a year. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, too, if the game's ready, it's ready. You know, you don't yeah. necessarily need to hold on to it. But I think, too, cannibalizing those two games, there's no point behind that. Um, especially, granted, two different genres we're talking about, but Halo is trending into open world, semi-open world from what we've seen. We're talking about more expansive levels. We're talking about more customization. It's, it's getting semi-RPG elements. So, you know, why put that next to an RPG from this juggernaut who has been really the biggest name in Western RPGs here in the States, at least for how long? I mean, you're, you're talking about a company now that granted under Microsoft has been, you know, now under Microsoft, it will be known as Microsoft, a Microsoft, you know, game or Xbox exclusive or whatever you want to call it, but who has been this entity within gaming that, people adored for so long and really was the go-to for RPG experiences when we're talking about, you know, Western RPGs, non-traditional, uh, not Japanese RPGs or anything like that, you know, so when we're talking, you know, those, the high fantasy or post-apocalyptic RPGs that so many people have now copied the formula from Bethesda games, you know, we're talking about that juggernaut. So to me though, I, I fully see this game coming out at least in the first half of, I, I think it, I think it fits in well in the first half of 2022. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if it was quarter one 2022, or if it, you know, hey, we're going to hold it till April or May or something like that. Wouldn't shock me either. But it also depends on a lot of what's kind of, you know, going to be shown. Because at the same time, while I say, yeah, you know, 2021 isn't going to be necessarily this blockbuster year for Microsoft from what it sounds like and what it looks like, except for, you know, obviously Halo Infinite, knock on wood. But outside of that, you know, you still have to have stuff to promote. You still have to have stuff in the pipeline to come. So there's a reason why, you know, they're having this showcase. It's not to say, hey, here's games for three years down the road. At some point, Microsoft does have to say, hey, here's games that are coming out now. Here's games that, here's a reason why we want you to not necessarily buy our system, but buy into our ecosystem in general, Where whether you're playing on the Series X, the Series S, 
the Xbox One, PC, mobile, whatever, we have to give you reasons to buy into this. And games are the reason. That's why people buy into these ecosystems. Usually it's because of games. And, you know, if Microsoft's, if Microsoft's barrier to entry is super low on that, they got to show them the games to get in and get those and show them why it's so easy too. But games push all of that. So, Mike, on top of that though, Bethesda is traditionally tight-lipped, as we know, about really any of their major, you know, in-house, we're talking, like I said, Bethesda Game Studios, Bethesda Proper, IPs, Elder Scrolls Fallout, yada yada. They're usually tight-lipped about that, and really, their respective projects, until they're relatively close to release, but that at the same time is a little bit different for their other studios that are in their umbrella, like id, Machine Games, and the like, which are now obviously Microsoft Studios, but you get my point. Should we expect to hear about other projects from these studios within Bethesda's umbrella? You know, would it be new game reveals such as, you know, like a potential Wolfenstein 3 that a lot of people are talking about or the rumored project from Arcane's second team, Omen? Um, you know, or does Starfield really control this conversation? Like I was talking about, you know, kind of Fallout 4 in 2015, you know, like, you know, is that going to be Bethesda's, the vast majority of Bethesda's conference is just Starfield? What do you think about that? Oh, I would imagine. I, I think you might see a little bit about the Elder Scrolls Six, which will be terrific. But if they are, if they are, you know, they're they're pushing out. They're not pushing out. I don't want to use that term. I guess they're they're going to be releasing Starfield, and I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense for them to kind of counteract like the hype that could be being built with that game by saying like, oh yeah, like we're going to come out with Starfield, but also check out this awesome game, Elder Scrolls Six. You guys might have heard of. Or you guys might have heard the Elder Scrolls series and check out the new game, Elder Scrolls Six. Like that seems like counterintuitive to kind of build against themselves. So I would imagine it's gonna be highly focused on that. And I would imagine, you know, they might say, Hey, this date is when you can expect to see stuff about Elder Scrolls Six, or they'll give you a little bit of information about it. But by and large, if that's the first turkey in the oven that's like getting ready to be getting ready to be put out, that's the game I would expect, you know, to see the most about. But there like since it is a Bethesda, you know, press conference, I wouldn't imagine or I wouldn't put it past them to release some inform information about Wolfenstein or, or any of their other projects. It's just not going to be the focal point. I would definitely say without a doubt the focal point will be Starfield going forward, which is awesome because you know, we you know, you sent me the meme about uh you know, Phil Spencer asking Todd Howard about it and Todd Howard being like, well, it's the best, the game with the most hype that nobody's ever seen before. Right. And it is funny that like that, that kind of sentiment is kind of meme and, and spreading or about the game. But I mean, it's Bethesda at the end of the day. Have they had some issues recently? Absolutely. But, but I think, you know, the, the overall feeling about them should be one, you know, filled with excitement for sure people should be excited to to get their hands on a game that bethesda has made and i'm sure starfield's gonna knock it out of the park and i just can't wait to see what they've been working and what they've been cooking up here um but yeah for this press conference certainly it's gonna be 90 percent at the minimum starfield i would say yeah i i fully don't expect us to hear anything from elder scrolls 6 personally um you never know that obviously that can change i could also um you know, I didn't expect us to hear anything from the Elder Scrolls Six whenever Fallout seventy six was revealed in twenty eighteen or Starfield. Mm -hmm. So, and sure as hell we did. So, you know, I will be, I will ab absolutely, absolutely be happy to eat crow on that. Um, but I, I think I align more with you that I think we're going to primarily see a Starfield, really Starfield in general, take presence and take 
you know, control over this, their portion of the press conference. So like, I think we're going to see a 75% Starfield, which kind of goes back to what I was saying. I think it needs that. I think it needs to own the conversation for Bethesda. I think it needs to be that focal point because it is such a big game. And more importantly, it's such a mysterious game right now. We don't know anything about it. We know that it involves, you know, space. It's a space RPG, you know, and from what it sounds like, it's all, and this is all non-official word that we're hearing from, you know, reporters and journalists and things like that, which obviously, you know, I trust what they're saying, especially the ones who are saying this specifically. But on top of that, though, we don't know anything else about this game. Like, we need the time to know why this we need to get hyped about this game. Um, and I'm hyped alone on it just because I, you know, Bethesda fan. But at the same time, too, some other, you know, some people may not be. Some people may not know Bethesda. Some people may not be used to their game. So I definitely think Starfield needs that conversation. I think it needs to be the majority. Um, almost like Halo is, we're going to get into it, but... Um, I, I definitely don't think, though, that we won't see anything else. Um, it sounds like Arcane's second project, Omen, is going to be there. Um, from what it sounds like, it's another immersive sim. So I'm interested to see in that. I like Arcane. I dig what they do. I enjoy uh, Dishonored. I enjoy Prey. Like, I'm ready to see what they bring from, you know, another team within that development studio. Um, but I definitely think that it's going to primarily be... Starfield, and I think it needs to be. Um, you know, sure we may get some Fallout seventy six updates. I'm sure we'll get some ESO updates on you know stuff that's coming from them or coming to the game on that end. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll get DLC for a game that's been out or something like that. But I think it just needs to. The focus needs to for sure be on. It needs to be on Starfield, and who knows? We may even get. I I doubt because they're joining. And even though Xbox is known to, you know, play friendly and, you know, play ball with everyone else, um, you know, with death, uh, with Deathloop being a PS5 exclusive for a year on console, you know, how are they going to tote that line? It's still coming to PC, but, you know, how are they going to tote that line of, you know, it's a Bethesda game right now. It's a, you know, it's, it's technically a Microsoft game, but it's on PS5 and they're honoring that. But, you know, what... You know, where do they go from there with that? Are they going to show it? Are they going to talk about it? since it's technically on PC too? So, you know, it's going to be interesting about that, especially because now the game's coming out in September. So this might be your last big, you know, time to get a large push in there outside of, you know, TV spots and whatnot, you know, heading into, you know, the last month or two. But last time to really have that stage to talk about this. So it'll be interesting. Mike, let's head into the Xbox side of things and let's start with kind of, you know, a hodgepodge of things here, a, a few different ones here, but specifically, obviously, Halo is going to be the big one. Um, Halo Infinite will be the headline act for Microsoft's uh, for Microsoft at this year's E3, says Jez, and may even close out the show. There's a huge question mark whether or not Halo Infinite can address feedback from its 2020 showcase, given the negative reaction to its less than impressive, less than impressive visual quality. I'm personally expecting a deeper look at gameplay in Halo Infinite and what exactly it means to be Master Chief in a semi-open world. I'm also expecting details on modes and features for Halo Infinite's multiplayer. Halo has also has long been the flagship IP of Xbox, carrying the burden of showcasing the best of what Xbox can be. Microsoft and 343 Industries have been sharing impressive screenshots detailing Halo Infinite's improvements over the past few months, but seeing it all in motion will be the ultimate test. So, 
like I've been saying, Mike, Halo is clearly the biggest test for Microsoft right now in terms of their own first-party IP. And we've talked to death about Halo Infinite's need to knock it out of the park. You know, so kind of just where you stand now with this game, what you're expecting heading into E3, you know, what needs to be shown during this conference to instill confidence across the board for both hardcore and casual fans of the series alike with Halo Infinite? You know, what changes need the most attention? What do they need to show to highlight, say, hey, we we hear you. We saw what you were saying. Here you go. We've, mm-hmm. we've put our head down, went to work. There's reason why we took a year. You know, we bumped this full year to make sure we give you the best game possible. What in that realm do we need to see? And what do they just need to show during this press conference to just instill that reassurance that, no, we're heading in the right direction? Yeah, this is, this is definitely a... a a very pivotal moment. I think that's kind of stating the obvious, but they, you know, after what had happened last year with the general reception of the game in general, and them kind of, you know, taking it back into the workshop and seeing what they can do to, to better it. They definitely, you know, they came out and they said all the right things, but they haven't really been acting on the, on what they said, in my opinion, because they said they were going to be a lot more transparent with the whole process, they were going to be a lot more forthcoming with information, but you know, it's been a long time since that was said and they just simply haven't been, um, you know, forthcoming with information. They just haven't really shared all that much. Sure. They've been giving us screenshots here and there, but they haven't really shown us anything. They haven't really told us, you know, what we've, we've been looking to hear. So I think they have a very big, not only opportunity, but almost responsibility to share with us, you know, what they've been cooking, because let's be, let's be honest here, you know, for a game that was delayed and, and they promised us that it was going to be coming out this fall and stuff. I haven't seen a whole lot about this game either. I, I, you know, I've seen a little bit more than Starfield, I guess, but geez, like if you're talking about two games <laughs> that are kind of flying under the radar because right. they just haven't shared anything. And I think Halo is one of those games that just purely based on name, they will probably, you know, they will probably be, there's going to be a lot of hype around it, but I think there's a lot of cautionary hype because people are a little worried because they haven't seen anything of it. It's really hard for us to be excited and us to want to play the game when we haven't seen anything about it. So for me, I'm looking for, you know, 343 to really knock this one out of the park. Show us the gameplay that they've been working on, that they've been working so diligently and hard on to really get it to where not only they want it to be because that's important but also where we expect it and where we want it to be the quality that we want that's that's all so important and i think that's one of the things that people kind of don't they might not get understand as easily as as other people especially when you're on the outside looking in you don't realize that everyone has an artistic direction or dream for a game. Mm-hmm. And when you get shit on by the public, like that kind of sucks because you, you, th- <laughs> you thought it was good enough to even show in the first place. And then you do show it and everyone's just like, like laughs at you. Like that's kind of embarrassing and it, it makes them feel like shit. So I just feel like this, this press conference is going to be huge and pivotal going forward. Mm-hmm. As far as what to expect, I'm just hoping like, you know, when it comes to the multiplayer, I understand you want to push the boundaries and you want to push the limits. But if you're going to do something and do something new and cool and wacky, I get that you kind of pigeonhole yourself when you do this. But, like, just do it to the battle royale mode. Like, just don't don't butcher the multiplayer because you need to be hip and cool, like, with Breakout and Halo 5. And, like, you want to, you know, tap into S&D. Like, don't, like, search and destroy. Just don't do that. 
do what made Halo Halo. Do, you know, be true to Halo because that's what you said you were going to be. Just do your thing with Halo. But if you're going to change things and make things different, do that in the campaign, do that in the BR and make a cert, a separate playlist for like social games and, and different changes you want to do to the game before you introduce them to the competitive scene. Because with the movement, with the advanced movement and everything, if that was something you brought along, you coded in the game, but I mean, you have to design the maps completely different and everything. And I get that that's a lot, but there's just a lot that needs to be done. But I, I think you just need to stay a little bit more true to what Halo's roots are. And I'm not so, someone who like, well, I don't like sprint and I don't like advanced movement in my Halo or in my Call of Duty for that matter. I'm not someone who's going to cry too much about sprint because I thought in Halo 5 sprint, although they had to make the maps bigger and everything of that nature, I didn't think it was terrible because you couldn't regain your shields while you were sprinting. And I thought that was a very good addition because in Halo Reach, you could just sprint away from everyone. And if you had your shields and or were getting them back, you wouldn't die. Where in Halo 5, there's like a cooldown on getting your shields back after you sprint. So to mm-hmm. me... There's a lot of stuff that can be changed about this game that can be cool. Um, I just think they need to kind of go forward with caution and, and and be cognizant of the fact that, you know, a lot of people like like traditional Halo, and that's, that's what we kind of want to experience um, by and large, it seems like. I know a lot of people are open to changes, but that's what Battle Royale or Big Team Battle or Warzone is, is for. You can do some kind of different things in those things, and you don't you know, change the true experience of the game. If, if that makes any sense. No, definitely don't definitely. And I, I totally agree. I think there's space for, you know, both to live in a degree, but, um, you know, it, I'm with you. I want to see, I want to see the gameplay. I want to see what reasons are there for me to invest in this game. Day one, granted, I'm a halo fan. I'm going to, I'm going to be playing this game day one, especially obviously being on game pass, but Point being, you know, I want to see where they've sat down and improved this game. You know, to me, I saw a lot of positives on in terms of gameplay from Mm -hmm. where they what they showed us last year. I didn't think I know you were like you were like not super duper like high, but you were actually really high on it. Like if I recall correctly. Yeah. You know, I I was pretty positive. I enjoyed a lot of what I saw, you know, and sure, the visual side of it, I wasn't crazy about but also too i'm one of those people you know if it's an artistic decision or you know an art style that they're going for i'm not gonna necessarily knock it but um yeah i definitely did want to see a little bit more what's the word i'm looking for a phrase i guess um i wanted to see this the new next gen systems the new tech that we had utilized to see what next gen halo truly was and that didn't necessarily seem like next gen halo so you know from that aspect i did want to see you know a little bit more i wanted to see you know improvements along those lines. i wanted to look more fluid but also at the same time feeling you know and looking like a traditional halo game and a classic halo game and it seemed like it did and it definitely did feel when i'm watching it even where it was in my opinion much more of a halo game than you know a you know just a standard futuristic fps game like it Mm -hmm. it did look in it did look like it had the feel of a halo game so if they keep that and they improve upon a lot of the you know rough edges that this game did have i'm excited for it either way um i'm excited to see what 343 is going to do because i think they are at least on the right you know trending in the right direction you know you know more about the multiplayer end than i do but i agree that you know I, I want people to have options, but I also want people to 
you know, I, I want there to be not barriers, but I want there to be, you know, ways to have your esports, you know, have a competitive scene while also, you know, keeping a battle royale scene fluid, but also, you know, being able to tile that into a casual audience if they want to. So, which is obviously, you know, that's a slippery slope to kind of, you know, walk sometimes and make it all work. But, you know, it's Microsoft has the money to do that. They have the money to invest for the time to make that work. So, I, I think this game's. I don't think this game's going to get bumped again. Who the hell knows, though? But I, I fully expect this game comes out this fall, one way or another, good, bad, and different. But we'll see. So, Mike, let's head into our next topic, and that is Forza. Not one that I, I don't think we're necessarily too like high on necessarily. I don't want to say it like that, but a series that I, I don't think we're both necessarily too deep into. So mm-hmm. Jez says we're also expecting Forza Horizon 5 to uh, Forza Horizon 5 to be revealed at the show alongside a 2021 launch date. Forza Horizon 5 is expected to be set in Mexico across the diverse urban, desert, mountain, and potentially coastal landscapes of the region. Horizon Forza Horizon 5 will likely be a technical showcase for the Xbox Series X and Series S consoles as well, pushing photorealism to new heights. Speaking of photorealism, we also expect a new trailer for Flight Simulator for consoles too, also provo- are proving its visual chops when it hits Xbox or xbox's latest consoles later in 2021 so like i said forza has always kind of been a blind spot for me personally you as well i feel pretty confident saying but the few forza titles that i tend to i did tend to connect with were the horizon subseries it was much more arcadey it was much more loose it was much more non-sim based and that for driving games and racing games always kind of clicked more with me i like the arcade feel to it um, you know, while it looks like the newest entry for the mainline Forza Motorsport series is still a bit off, it's still a ways down the road. Do you think it's important to get out a new entry that is this graphical showpiece within the console's first year? Since we didn't really necessarily have one from Microsoft directly, we didn't have that. Hey, you know, even with you know the PS5 and whatnot, there were a couple of games that were strictly, hey, this is a showpiece specifically designed for the system. You know, we didn't have that with Xbox this past fall. So, you know, so do you think it's important to get that now within this first year to have this game out and to be able to show it as, yeah, this is the power of the Series X. This is what you can expect on this system, even if it's only a buffed up version of really the previous Horizon game, because that game was only three years old. So, mm-hmm. you know, what do you think with about that? Yeah, I... I definitely Forza is a game that when we I don't know I think you might have been there one night we went to Dom's house back when he still lived at his dad's and mm-hmm. he had like his dad went ahead and just bought like the pedals and the steering wheel mm-hmm. and I'll be honest with you man like Forza with the pedals the steering wheel oh, the whole sick. the whole rigmarole like that's so sick and that's something that I would love to get into mm-hmm. and I think it is I think it is important that they take advantage of the new technology in the console and kind of showcase what what can be done with it. Because a lot of the games that are on the console now, you know, you can play NHL 21 on it and you can play MLB on it. And I do have a couple of buddies that I play some games with on Xbox, like my brother's friends that do have the Series X or even the Series S. Mm-hmm. And they do say that the the 120 or the 120 frames is a huge difference in in the games and how well they run. And I mean, that's obvious. That's apparent. People Mm -hmm. that play PC get that. But some people that play console don't understand the difference. Mm -hmm. So by and large, most of the games have just been straight up frame rate differences, which is cool. But 
at the end of the day, what everyone's really, you know, kind of waiting for and clamoring for is to see how much better the games are going to look. And right. I'm like 100% positive that these games are going to start blowing us out of the water with, with the art and everything in it. And I'm, I'm super excited for it. And Forza is really one of those games that have always just kind of been really, it's, it's really great for the car enthusiast. But not only does it provide this very great car enthusiast experience, it provides like beautiful visuals. Like the, the tracks are always beautiful. The raindrop that's falling on the, the windshield. They've always paid a great attention to detail like that. And what a better game to unleash the power that the Series X will have than Forza Horizon or the new Forza Motorsport game. Like, I'm just so I, I'm someone who like I'm currently kind of considering buying a Series X because of how much better they're saying that NHL and, and these other games run. Mm -hmm. And I don't see NHL coming to PC anytime soon. I don't see the new college football game coming to PC anytime soon. So I would say, you know, I'm going to have to get a console to play some of my sports games. And, you know, I'm just excited to see how well it, it all runs on 120 frames because I do think it's going to be a big difference with that. But also, like, I may find myself picking up a steering wheel in, in pedals for Forza because, you know, th that's that was one of the most fun I've ever had is playing a game like that. And I know people get kind of crazy. You can see some pictures online where people have you know, full, like, roll cages built. It almost feels like you're in a car, which is, like, super cool. That's not 100% my style. I would be cool with, like, the, the pedal and the wheels, or, or the wheel and the pedals. So mm -hmm. we'll see what happens. But, you know, I think the thing that everyone needs to kind of look at when, when it comes to this Forza announcement is you need to pay attention to the details, the small things about this game. How how beautiful is it when you drive in the snow? What do the snowflakes look like? What does the tire tread on the uh, what does your what do your tires look like? What does the tread through the snow or through the rain or or what does all that look like? Because that's all things that Forza just knocks out of the park and that's what I'm going to be focusing on mostly. I mean, the gameplay, sure, it's going to be awesome. It's all it's always, you know, really solid with Forza. That's all going to be great. Mm -hmm. But um, I'm going to be looking at the attention to detail with, with Forza like everyone should be because that's something that that team does better than maybe anyone is is just how detailed everything is with that game. No, definitely. I, I completely agree. Um, that's, that's where it's going to come down to. I'm not worried in the least little bit about the gameplay aspect of Forza. You know, that's for car enthusiasts, it, it, Forza's right up there for, or car sim enthusiasts, I guess I should say. That's right up there for you know, with their Gran Turismo's their you know, any of the other major sim racing series, it's, you know, really those two on console, at least Forza and Gran Turismo. So, you know, it's, it would be really interesting to see what they go with, you know, right out the gate. If it is going to be Forza Horizon five, which it sounds like it's going to be, and it makes sense to be, in my opinion, um, because it, I'm sure I'm sure there's a good reason why they want to hold Forza Motorsport and, you know, put that, you know, kind of push that back a little bit and probably because they can get Horizon 5 out, you know, a little mm -hmm. bit sooner. And it might be a little, especially too, if it's coming to Xbox One as well, um, it might be a little bit easier to really take that same engine from, you know, Horizon 4 that they just had and, you know, kind of not, of course, not drag and drop, but it might be a little more transferable between the two consoles where it seems like they're building uh, Forza Motorsport and really rebooting that, you know, portion of the series in some fashion, uh, rename, not naming it, you know, eight or whatever it would be now, um, you know, just going with regular Forza, uh, Forza Motorsports, you know, so 
to me, you know, it seems like the logical choice to go with there. I'm with you. I I think this is going to be that. No, you need to just sit down and watch this. Like at bare mm-hmm. minimum, like you need to see this game. It's incredible. So I'm interested to see you know what this looks like running on these systems because, like you said, there's yeah the hurt you know the hertz is great and you know the refresh rate you're going to get with you know a lot of the games right now and with these next gen up upgrades and whatnot and unlocking frame rates to a degree and whatnot that's great and especially you know both of us who've been playing on pc for a long time we experience that we know all about that we've kind of lived with that you know people who don't get to you know yeah that is a nice big first step for them but I think now that a lot of people have seen that, they're also ready to see some, you know, crazy visuals as well. And I, I think that's why a lot of people are really excited to eventually see a Hellblade 2, um, eventually ready to see, you know, what Perfect Dark looks like or what Avowed looks like or, you know, yada yada. So, you know, I'm, I'm definitely with you. I'm ready to see what this game looks like. I'm ready to see what these systems can do visually, um, knowing what they can do already, you know, so well is you know from the performance end i want to see from the quality end as well and i think this is a good first step with that especially too on top of uh with flight simulator as well coming to console i think that makes a lot of sense to put on there as another showpiece um but we'll see how how long that's you know how that really grabs people on console how that transfers over to controller and also to how long people keep that on their hard drive because even at 86 you know gigabytes that's a lot of space to keep on your ssd and your hard drive so We'll definitely see. So, Mike, kind of some, uh, you know, going into some of other ends of Microsoft's, you know, IPs and franchises that they had. Uh, Jez writes, some of Microsoft's other internal studios will likely be there. We've heard see if these may appear at the show to tease a substantial content collaboration with new adventures for its millions of players. Age of Empires 4 will likely be at the show too, potentially with a new gameplay trailer and a hard launch date for the latest entry in the Legendary Strategy series. There may be an ID at Xbox Showcase too, as it is as it often standard fare, uh, showing off the creativity of Microsoft's independent dev community. Tunic, The Ascent, uh, Cuphead's long-awaited DLC, and others may get teased throughout. We may even get more details on Stalker too. So kind of focusing in on the one that you really connect with, Age of Empires 4, of course. Mm-hmm. Clearly, that will be the focus for you out of all these games, I would say. So as a huge AOE fan from the still relatively, you know, small amount of news we've seen surrounding AOE 4, you know, what are you wanting out of this game compared to its previous entries? What does AOE have to do to really bring more non-traditional RTS fans into the genre, considering, you know, hey, this game's going to be available on Game Pass. You're going to be able to, you know, download and play it day one included in your membership. The barrier to entry is so low on this. You know, what are they going to have to do to really get, you know, fans into this, I guess, who aren't traditionally into RTSs? And what are you looking for as a, you know, more hardcore RTS fan and hardcore AOE fan? Yeah, I think, you know, they have done such a great job with Age of Empires 2 as far as releasing content for it doing gameplay updates doing fixes to the gameplay keep kind of modernizing it and trying to get it a little to be a little bit more modern i think they've done such a spectacular job at at those things that they've done a lot of the little things very well coming into age of empires 4 and Mm -hmm. when whenever you're looking at this series you see a series that has a very rich history and you see a a community that still plays a t- over 20 year old game, even for esports, even for tournaments and competitive gameplay and things of that nature. So, what I think, you know, for me as a more hardcore fan, what I would like to see is all the little things that made 
AOE 2 very good. Um, you know, when, when it comes to Age of Empires 2, some people didn't like the fact that you could have 200 villagers if you really wanted to. Of course, the common population cap was 200 total units per side. But, you know, with later, you could always up it to 500, but older computers necessarily couldn't handle that much going on at once. But now with everyone having newer computers, it's a less big of a deal to play with a 500 population cap. So I think that, you know, in a, in a traditional competitive game, the population cap's 200, and your goal is to usually have like 130, depending on your civilization, 130, 140 villagers. Mm-hmm. So that means you really only have 60 military units, and that's because you're going to be constantly making military units, and you need to have a proper amount of villagers to continue to pump out those units. So to me, like a hardcore AoE2 fan, um, I would love to see a little bit more dev support with tournaments and esports because that's something that helps grow all games, and that's all a pretty big focal point for most developers is the esports aspect of the game. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to see a little bit more support that way. But, you know, Age of Empires 3 wasn't all bad. I didn't hate Age of Empires 3 completely. So I think, you know, when you're looking at those two games and the differences between the two, I would love to see them take a lot of the good from AoE 2 and keep some of the features from Age of Empires 3 and build off of that. And it does look like from the very little bit that I saw that they are going in the right direction. But at the end of the day, the stunning visuals and things of that nature isn't something that most RTS fans are are really going to be looking for. Most RTS fans focus a lot more on the gameplay aspects and, and other things. So I think to get to more casual fans, you need to make it... They did a pretty good job with Age of Empires 2 because they actually put learning tools in the menu where you could learn how to play the game. And I think that was a tremendous help for a lot of people because for, for you know, everyday people just jumping into that genre and jumping into that game in particular, it's really overwhelming. There's a lot going on at all times. And then you get mm-hmm. wiped off the map pretty quickly by even the computer players. And you don't really get... That's the thing about RTSs is it's, it's sometimes it's really hard to figure out what went wrong for you, where you went wrong, what was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the one thing I, I've learned most about RTSs is they're very punishing and they're very hard for you to figure out what was wrong. Like in FPSs, you get shot and you're like, oh, that was dumb. I peaked them once and then I repeaked them and got shot. Like I shouldn't have repeaked them or whatever. You know what I mean? It's it's pretty easy to figure out what went sideways for you. Mm-hmm. But in RTSs, it's a little bit it's a little bit tougher. So I'm just hoping with the RTS uh, side of things, I'm hoping that they're able to bring in some more casual fans by telling telling a very good story, having a very good campaign. Because even though that's not something that I traditionally pay a whole lot of attention to or a whole lot of focus on, mm-hmm. there are plenty of people, uh, Adam, you know, who's commonly on the show, uh, does a very good job at playing basically every campaign that he gets his hands on. And he really loves that kind of stuff. And I think I would dub him as a more casual RTS fan mm-hmm. um, because he's not someone who's going to go online and get in the ranked playlist and, and grind his builds and try to be the best that he can be mm-hmm. because that's just not what he's after in some of these games. In most of the games, he's just looking for a good time and looking for a fun experience with immersion and, and campaigns and RTSs genuinely give him that. So I think it's going to be very important. Uh, their campaign is going to be super important and being able to play cooperatively online with friends is going to be super important for, for the casual fan. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. As somebody who is, you know, rarely anymore, like I, I will dip my toe into RTSs, but typically don't go to them as much anymore. I play them more when I was younger with Starcraft and things like that, but in Warcraft, obviously, but um, you know, it, it's still, it's not something foreign to me, but something that I traditionally don't jump to right off the bat. But 
I want AOE four to kind of be that for me. I want this mm-hmm. to be maybe that entry point for me who, you know, it seems like this is a, it seems like this will be a good entry point for a lot of people with RTSs in general. If they're in, you know, obviously the Xbox and PC realm that this may be a good jumping in point because there's been such a long break between the games. Uh, as there's been, you know, almost like it may be for Diablo 3 to 4 or something like that, you know, and even Diablo 3 to 2, you know, these long periods between games kind of create this good, you know, entry point to jump in at and try these, you know, whether it be a dungeon crawler or RTS in this case, you know. So I definitely want this to be a game that isn't overwhelming that I can get in, but I also do want this game to succeed, and I know it will succeed because it, it will also to garner towards its hardcore fan base as well. I don't want it to, you know, I don't want the barrier to entry to be so low that, you know, it scares the people who typically do support these games for a long time to, Mm -hmm. you know, move away from that. Um, You know, I wanted to, you know, support players like Adam and I who are more on the casual end, but I also wanted to more importantly at the same time, support the hardcore community who will help this game thrive long after it's, you know, maybe what some consider an expiration date on it. So I'm kind of with you on there. You know, it's I'm I'm interested to see how this plays out. And I'm I'm really, really curious to see what your thoughts are going to be after, you know, we get this hard release date. It eventually comes out and you kind of sit with it for a little bit, um, just since you're kind of our AOE go to. Um, But outside of that on, you know, kind of what other things Jez was saying, I was, I'm hoping to see, I need to eventually finish Cuphead. I got like over halfway through the game and was loving it, but got stuck on one boss and was like, yeah, I'm going to stay away for a little bit. I need to go back to it, but um, and that will be like one of those times with games where you'll go away for a while and you'll come back and beat it first try and be like, what the hell? Right, exactly. 100% it will be like that. I know it will be. So um, I do want to play that. And I eventually really want to get my hands on Tunic um, where it's very Zelda-like and takes a lot of inspiration from Zelda for if you're just looking at it. Um, but it's it looks, the art style is beautiful. It's almost like origami-esque uh, with the little fox guy who looks like Link. So I'm really excited to eventually get onto the into that game and you know get my hands on that and obviously um 12 minutes as well too eventually when that comes out but mike let's head into the last part of our discussion i kind of want to talk about here and let's talk about obsidian so jez writes obsidian however could appear in a big way i've been told uh conflicting information about the possibility of avowed being at the show which is obsidian's first person rpg set in the pillars of eternity universe making me think that there's a 50-50 chance we could see actually see something on it. I've also been told that, surprisingly, Outer Worlds 2 may be announced. Grounded may also uh, has also been cited for a potential content showcase detailing some big upcoming new features. So, kind of the question I had about Avowed, because we first saw it last year at Xbox's game showcase, and, you know, it was more so a... It was more so, I think, this coming out party for Obsidian with Xbox, getting to show off, you know, a lot of their projects that they have in the works with, you know, obviously new content coming into the outer worlds. Um, we're also talking about Grounded. And then the RPG that they wanted to make that they keep talking about was Avowed. They wanted to be able to make this first person RPG. And they also two threw in there, hey, it's set in the Pillars of Eternity universe that, you know, a lot of people were interested in saying, oh, that's cool. You know, that's a series I'm not necessarily too familiar with, but I've always had kind of an interest in. But a lot of people do pump the tires on that, saying, that you know, no, it's really cool to get into. And obviously we know how great Obsidian's writing is and everything like that and how great they are at Western RPG. So 
you know, knowing that and having that always made me really excited about Avowed. But how important do you think Avowed is currently, given that Microsoft now owns the Elder Scrolls IP? Like, it always seemed like they wanted to have an answer to the Elder Scrolls from, you know, a developer that tons of RPG fans really expect. But now that Bethesda is in the mix, they're owned by Microsoft, they're on, you know, the same pecking order and same footing as Obsidian. They're, you know, two birds of the same feather. You know, do you think fans will still have as much, you know, fervor really around Avowed? Do you think it's really going to be, you know, hit as much as I think a lot of people thought about of, okay, well, oh, cool. Obsidian is saying basically, all right, well, we haven't had any answer to the Elder Scrolls, a traditional Elder Scrolls game in almost 10 years. Cool. We'll pick up the ball and run. We'll give, you know, we'll make a game that, you know, not saying it's going to be carbon copy Elder Scrolls, but that traditional first person, you know, high fantasy RPG that a lot of people I think were wanting from the Elder Scrolls, you know. So do you think still fans still have that kind of fervor for this game now knowing like, okay, well, the Elder Scrolls is involved in there now, you know, how important is Avowed right now? What do you think? I think that Avowed is a game that, like you said, I think they were, you know, very, very interested in trying to compete with, um, you know, they were trying to compete with the Elder Scrolls and rightfully so. I think that that's a reasonable uh, goal to try to, you know, keep up with a franchise and you needed kind of an answer to everything that, um, PlayStation was kind of thrown at you with how how good they were they were getting game or how good the games were that they were creating. So I think that that's that's certainly important. Um, I think Avowed is going to be a little bit of a bigger deal than some people might be giving it credit for because you know we're still very far away from um, the Elder Scrolls coming out, and I think that Avowed could be a game that's kind of like a a, a gap bridging game mm-hmm. where you know people are excited and people are. Th- uh, really hyped about Avowed, or people are really hyped about Elder Scrolls, rather. And Avowed is going to be that game that kind of gets people through the gap because Elder Scrolls is is probably 20... What do you think? I think it's probably like 2023 away, you know what I mean? I don't think it's even going to come out in 2022. So Avowed is going to be oh, that no. game that's that's going to come out... I, it could even be longer, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Well, who knows? I mean, it seems like if we're going to potentially get avowed here and potentially see that, you know, like who the hell knows? We may, we may not, you know? So to me though, I I definitely, if we're talking Elder Scrolls, I, like I said, I really, I don't think we see Elder Scrolls until at least 2024. I think Mm -hmm. that's like the minimum i would love you don't know how much i'd love to be wrong i would i would eat crow until the day i go six feet under if that's if hey we're getting in 2023 and it's not rushed it's a good game you know yada yada whatever you want to say but i definitely don't see us getting that anytime soon avowed i always thought was much much earlier in in the like order of things in terms of like release orders, I guess I should say, mm-hmm. or production or whatever you want to call it. I always thought that Avowed was much, much, much farther or much less farther along. And when they showed that CG trailer last year, that was more so a, hey, here's a taste of what we're working on. You know, it's in full production now, a little more than obviously, you know, the Elder Scrolls Six's reveal, but more so, you know, hey, here's, you know, here's something we're working on, and I wouldn't be shocked if we see it before the Elder Scrolls 
six, I wouldn't be shocked. But at the same time, too, then we kind of get into a similar situation with um, Halo Infinite and Starfield. Not that obviously those two are the same, but much more Elder Scrolls and Avowed are obviously seems like two birds of the same feather. Like they're very similar in what they're offering. It's been confirmed of what it sounds like. So it's it's really, really going to be a slippery slope putting those games anywhere near each other because then you really could see cannibalization you know and people always use the example of battlefield one and um and uh titanfall 2 and everyone missed titanfall 2 because of battlefield one and battlefield having a little more market space and headspace than titanfall but titanfall 2 had one of the best campaigns it was one of the it was the much higher reviewed game and was also too critically and commercially, or not commercially, but critically loved and by fans alike, the campaign. And it's considered one of the best FPS campaigns in modern gaming. So like, it sucks to see that, but if you ask me, The Elder Scrolls is going to consume Avowed. Like in, in mm-hmm. terms of whether it's good or not or whatever, it doesn't matter about that end. But each that or the other, like it's going to... The the fervor around the Elder Scrolls is what I like, or what to me stands out that it's going to be, hey, you know, we're, this game comes out, man, everybody, it's going to be one of those games that, like a Fallout, like a Red Dead, like whatever, people are going to stop what they're doing to make sure they play this game. Like, because they've been wanting it for so long, and Skyrim was such a big hit and continues to be such a big hit that people are just ready for it. They're ready to consume that game that I don't want to see... I don't want to see a studio like Obsidian who is so good at what they do. But I, I that's why I think, you know, hearing what Jez is saying, kind of looking into it, maybe Avowed is a little bit long, you know, farther along than I think a lot of people think, um, you know, more so than what they were planning on. Um, but now that they have that Microsoft money, now that they've been under Microsoft's wing for, you know, a couple of years now and because I think it was, what, 2018 they joined, late 2018. So, you know, really, we're heading up on year three. You know, at the same time, yeah, the Outer Worlds was their, you know, main focus for the most part, and then obviously grounded from their second team. You know, maybe that Outer Worlds team, or maybe they have a third team now, or maybe it's split. Like, maybe those projects, knowing how big the Outer Worlds was now, and it being a... I don't want to say a bite-sized RPG experience, but a much more, a much more, not linear, but straightforward RPG experience. There wasn't, the world wasn't as vast as I think a lot of people imagined. Um, It was a little more condensed, which wasn't a bad thing by any means, but it was much more of a straightforward, less explorative RPG experience that, you know, maybe that's, you know, they can get by on a little bit smaller dev team now that they have the, you know, basis of one down going into two, because they obviously are going to make a two because that game sold great and reviewed very well. And a lot of people love it. And a lot of people liked it as an alternative to Fallout, um, you know, having the writing of Obsidian and something I loved. And even Adam, who Adam definitely didn't necessarily adore the game from, you know, gameplay perspective, but he was like the, you know, the dialogue and the narrative around it is great because it's Obsidian's writing. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm to that end, you know, maybe the major, you know, the large amount of their staff, the majority of their staff are working on a vow. Maybe a is a little bit sooner. So if we get that in a 2022 release date, 
you know, that gives a nice buffer of a year or two at least, you know, so I'm saying at least two years personally, but, you know, that at least gives that 12-month buffer period to then say, okay, Elder Scrolls, we don't have to worry about that. Where both can succeed in terms of, you know, what you would expect success for both of them to be. Where Elder Scrolls is obviously going to be this huge juggernaut and avows a new IP. It's coming from, you know, a team that's a lot smaller than Bethesda. Um, but one that is much more, is adored in a much more niche, you know, market. So having both of them find success in their meaning of success individually, you know, I think works better in that way. So I'm, I, I definitely think, you know, a vow is still important. It's going to be important because we need more, but that's, or Bethesda. Xbox is becoming the home for Western RPGs. We've been mm -hmm. seeing it with all the studios they've acquired, all of, you know, all of the IP that they're now working with, all of these different people who are now a part of this crew at Xbox, like the projects that they're bringing out, it's clearly showing that they're moving towards being the home of Western RPGs and they want that. And that's great. So the more the merrier that I don't think they're going to necessarily cannibalize themselves. As long as they space it out, right? As long as they, you know, don't, you know, they have, of course, they're going to have the problem of, you know, hey, it's, you know, how many cooks in the kitchen type of thing. But I don't think they're going to run into that because once they get this wheel turning, it might not stop. And that's a good thing that they'll be able to just keep churning, churning, churning. And they won't have to worry about that where they'll have enough space. And Game Pass will allow that too to have these games, you know, even after, you know, maybe they do run into a pickle where some games release a little too close to each other and they don't get the rub that they deserve. You know, that's why Game Pass is there. The barrier is so low. You can jump in after and being subscription based, you know, anybody can get in at any point and try that game out. It's it's not a I have to go physically out of my way to get this. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, I want to play that. Oh, I've heard good things about that. I've kind of been on the fence about it, but yeah, I can get Game Pass and just try it. So I, I think we'll be all right. I think Avowal's in a good place overall, as long as Elder Scrolls is, you know, still wilds off, which I, I definitely think it takes them. It took them this long to get Starfield out. I definitely think it'll take them this long to get, you know, Elder Scrolls out too. <laughs> I think we're still looking at a little bit. So, Mike, I think that's going to pretty much wrap it up for our E3 coverage. Anything you kind of want to wrap up before we head into Button Mash? Um, you know, Game Pass. You think anything's coming to Game Pass that we might be seeing, like AAA stuff that we don't know about in terms of you know, maybe a third party coming in or any new partnerships? Anything, you know, you kind of want to wrap up with E3 before we head into Button Mash and the conclusion of this week's show? Not necessarily. I just want to say that I'm genuinely happy that I I seem to see a quite a bit more on Twitter about excitement growing for E3 than I had last year for certain. Like it seems like a lot of people are are really excited to see E3 this year, mm -hmm. which is 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 a good thing because you know, like I said last year, it felt like people kind of didn't really i don't know that they didn't care as much but they definitely were like uh oh well what if he th p3 was gone would anybody even notice and i think people are giving it a little bit more respect this year which is super exciting because i do respect e3 and i really do love e3 and everything that it stood for for you know as long as it stood for so i'm just excited to see what what they come up with this year and i'm excited to hopefully get back to in-person e3s going forward because that would be um, that would be nice to maybe be able to take a trip out there and experience it firsthand. No, definitely. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I, the, the conversation around E3 definitely seems a little more, 
positive this time around. I think it's too also knowing that there isn't as much emphasis put on E3 this year in terms of like, granted, uh, media has their issues with it. I still haven't heard back about our credentials for getting in on the media end yet. And neither has like a lot of big like publications and influencers and stuff. So it's E3 is literally right around the corner. It's next week, really. It starts. So it's like it's going to be interesting to see kind of how that plays out and, you know, what's going on with that. But at the same time, too, like I'm I'm really, really, really looking forward to getting back to this week, this week period of, yeah, we're still going to have stuff after that. We're still going to have a Ubisoft direct. We're still going to have or connect We're still going to have different stuff throughout the year, digital showcases. I'm a Sony fan as well. I'm going to have a state of play there too as well. So it's, you know, past that and whatnot. And we're going to see, I'm sure we're going to have another check-in for Maxbox at some point after that, but it's nice to have this week period or this known period that for sure we're getting video game news. The conversation around video games are going to be there. Our Super Bowl is back in a way that even though it isn't in person, it's this digital event that, you know, people don't have to go anywhere. They can just be right here. Good to go. Like watch it from home and not have to worry about missing anything in person or waiting in line. I would have loved to see them set up more demo experiences for people um, to maybe, you know, Hey, if they were going to do this paid version of E3 that, Hey, it's 50 bucks to get in or whatever for the three day period. But once you get your three, uh, you know, three day pass or whatever, each day from certain window amounts, you could sign up almost like fast passes at Disney that you could go and sign up for that. And you can go in and just get a demo that you could play, you know, it'll stream to you. You don't download it, but you could interact, you know, play a demo of one of these games you see and, you know, kind of, you know, emulate that experience that you would going into E3 in person. So, you know, I'm curious to see what, how the conversation is after this E3 this year and how people respond to that and what that looks like moving forward and how that could change an in-person E3 the following year, even though we know it's, there's going to be one, but what that looks like and what's just going on, you know, long-term, but I'm happy E3 is back. I'm happy that we're having this period that we're going to get to enjoy video games again, uh, in terms of the conversation around them, having this hype period that, you know, people are ready to watch showcases, ready to watch press conferences, uh, you know, the bingo cards are going to be going around online again and stuff like that. You know, it's <laughs> it's exciting. The con- Anytime that we get to have a conversation around video games, it's super exciting. So I'm ready to jump into that. But Mike, let's end the button mash before we wrap up the show this week. If you're new to the show, button mash is where we propose one question each week at the end of the show that we want to discuss with you. Could be as simple as, you know, what's your favorite story beat? of a game or, you know, what have you been playing during the stupid pandemic or, you know, even more in depth as to like why the negative stigma around gaming still exists for some reason. And after answering it ourselves, we kick it over to you and, you know, you tweet your responses to the question over at our Twitter at GPGC podcast or email us at bonusaccessory at gmail.com. And we'll read some of the responses the following week. I would say normally last week's question, but we had our hundredth episode or special last week about oblivion. We didn't do any button, uh, button mash questions or anything like that. Or party chat. I said butt mash, didn't I? Mm-hmm. I dropped the ball. Dropped the ball. Party chat is what I meant. Party chat. You get what I'm saying. Everyone get. It's a long week. It's a long week. Everyone gets one. Everybody gets one. Tell them, Spider-Man. I, I, I guess <laughs> everyone gets one. Um, anyways, party chat from what I'm saying. Anyways, last week's question in party chat, we didn't have one because we had our 100th, episode, or 100th special, but the week before that, episode 99, 
what's a game from your childhood, Xbox or PC, that you loved, lo- loved but looking back on now, there were critical recept- the critical reception on it is seen as being viewed bad, if that makes any sense. So uh, one, I pulled one that was very, very questionable, but Bad uh, Traverse, I believe. Bad Traverse, yeah, 187 said Mass Effect. Honestly, the original ga- release is pretty rough. Now, as somebody who played Mass Effect on PC earlier this year, not the Legendary Edition version or anything, not the newer version, but the original release on Steam, I'll give them that it is a little rough around the edges, but the game in, in general was still very much holds up. Still a fucking fantastic game, but yeah, that, I, that was a little questionable. I had to throw that one out that I'm like, it's still not critically panned or anything now. it's It holds up, and people still love it, and you know, the, the critical reception was very good on it, so... I don't know. Anyways, though, Mike, this week's question, what French Xbox franchise would you like to see make a special surprise return at E3 this year? We're going off. We're doing we're doing a hype prediction that we're not expecting. You know what Xbox franchise that you like? Would you or, you know, not or just one that you would be excited to see come back? Make a surprise return at this year's E3. What do you think? <laughs> uh, do you... OK, I mean, re- unrealistic unrealistic answer ninja gaiden mm-hmm. uh real realistic exp- or realistic guess or thought process because we all know team ninjas pretty much said you know ninja gaiden isn't going to come back for a while uh, at least yeah. for a while at least so um without ninja gaiden coming back which is definitely a bummer um i think if i had to pick a xbox game studio to make a surprise return uh this this one's definitely a tough question because you're t- you're asking about a studio not a game. Mm-hmm. Which oh no, you're asking about an Xbox franchise. Right, um, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yes. You know what would be actually really cool and something that I experienced very little as a kid, but I know like I used to always see people on Xbox Live playing it mm-hmm. is the Crimson Skies games. Oh yeah. I would like to see a new Crimson Skies on the new uh technology. I think that it would be amazing and i think that they could do a lot with it with the new technology yeah work with uh they could be working with the team who handled uh flight simulator yeah exactly use that tech use the photogrammetry i'm sure they used while making that game and mapping out that game you honestly like i don't know if you've seen a mic but just in general to you mike and the listeners and whatnot but if you get a chance watch some of the i believe it's no clip now i'm really curious i gotta look that up but um flight simulator 2020 no clip believe that's what yeah no clip so no clip who does the uh crowdfunded uh documentary video game documentaries run by uh once game spots in uh danny o'dwyer just fucking fantastic human being in the games industry um they did one a mini doc it's like half hour or so on microsoft flight simulator and how they basically did all the like recreated the whole planet for the most part and the tech behind it and the development behind it and what they used to bring that to life. It's just so fucking incredible. Like it, it's mind blowing. Like I'm not the biggest flight simulator person. I've tried it a few times just since it's on game pass on PC and you know, it's, it's great. It's a fucking fantastic game. There's a reason why like an IGN gave it a 10 out of 10. So, but at the same time, though, like I'm not the deepest person, but just sitting there and looking at the detail involved with the world that you are flying through the, and just the environments in general, the detail to the environments, 
it's fantastic. So being able to use that tech with, I highly recommend one watching that documentary, but like with Microsoft even saying like they want their studios to be able to be like a Sony where they're sharing technology, they're, they're working with each other to, you know, be able to share ideas. That's one thing you hear out of Sony all the time that, you know, Naughty Dog is talking to a Sony Santa Monica, uh, Sony Santa Monica is talking to a Sony Bend or, you know, any uh, teams like that. So they're sharing technology. Hell, look at, uh, you know, granted, Kojima Productions isn't a, isn't a, uh, you know, Sony studio, but they partnered with Sony to release Death Stranding on console, and that was a PlayStation exclusive, still is, except for now it's on PC. But point being that they use the Decima engine from Gorilla Studios, who is, or Gorilla Games, who is from, you know, that's a PlayStation studio, Horizon Zero Dawn, same engine that Kojima used that. He partnered with them to use their technology to create the basis of Death Stranding. So, like, stuff like that, that it's like, I love to see that. I hope we get to see that more. But point being, that's a great, that's a great pick. I would love to see that. More flight games, especially arcadey ones, I'm all for. I love I, I love sim games that have arcade twists. Like I, mm-hmm. I would want that. Like racing, flying, stuff like that, I'm all for. Um, compared to Sims, more or less. But I was kind of thinking about this one as well. I it's tough because I I equate, I always seem to, and I know it isn't, I'm still going to say it, but like, I always tend to relate Splinter Cell to Xbox because it was mm-hmm. for so long. It was, you know, it was an Xbox exclusive for a while and it's a Ubisoft third party title, but I always related Splinter Cell to Xbox and I would love to see it make a return. Granted, I don't think it would be at microsoft's press conference but it would be fantastic to see that make a return but it's it's tough to say like i would love to see obviously like shadow run i know that's such an obscure like the fps version of that game like i would love to see that return because i thought the basis of that game was so fun i mean it's basically valorant now um to a degree so it's i i thought that's so out there, but you know, that's one that I kind of think of. I would love to see, you know, like a lost planet, even, even though that came to ended up coming to PS3 after, cause that was a Capcom thing, but lost planet was another one. I played a ton of the demo of that. I remember, but like, it's tough to say, like, I would love to see, even though it's just made or, you know, it wasn't that long ago. I'd love to see the next look at gears of war. Like I want to see what gears six could look like. Um, you know, I, I, cause that's already going to be a two year mark from there, you know, and we had three years between gears four and gears five. So, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if we potentially saw something pop out, but supposedly the coalition is working on a handful of things over there. So who knows, but yeah, it's tough to say. I, like I said, I always equate Splinter Cell to an Xbox franchise, even though I know it's a Ubisoft franchise, but because of it having its lineage with Xbox and being so tightly knit for that, I would lose my shit seeing that game, like that franchise come back. And I think it's far overdue. I've been talking about that for two years on the show now, that it's far overdue. My boy Sam Fisher needs some fucking respect put on his name and not just as downloadable content, even though I swooped that up on <laughs> Rainbow Six Siege quite fast. <laughs> but point being, we need to put some respect on his name. Let's bring him back, man. So, Mike... I think that's going to do it for our episode this week. Why don't you tell people where they can find you on the interwebs? Talk about all the nerdy stuff we talked about today. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at T-O-Y-S-X-L-D-I-E-R. 
Or you can find me on Twitch at MP underscore Toy Soldier. Nice, nice. And as always, I'm your host, Travis White, a.k.a. Travelus, on most internet platforms, including at Travelus underscore on Twitter. That's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S underscore. You can also find me streaming time to time on Twitch.tv slash Travelus underscore, same as Twitter. And if you want to play some video games with me over on Xbox Live, you can do so at just regular old Travelus. That's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S, no underscore. And this, ladies and gentlemen, has been your newest episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversation around them damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So be sure to subscribe to us, rate us, review us, all that jazz, wherever you get a podcast app, I tell you every week. And follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast. Stay up to date with everything regarding the show, video games alike, and our dope giveaways. With that being said, Mike, that's going to be it for our episode this week. Thank you everyone so much for listening, sharing, and being a part of our growing community. Game on, wash your hands, listen to the doctors, Black Lives Matter, and we will see you next week. <laughs>